Welcome to episode 37 of the GameBots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the recently remade Aladdin. Christian saw the Bollywood movie 2.0. I have played the early access of the PlayStation 4 game Dreams, and then we will be playing our Amazon review game. But first, Christian, you saw Aladdin this week. What did you think of it? Uh, it's not great. So I, I'm, so I'm assuming you've seen the original animated movie. A long time ago, but yeah, I have. Would you say that you liked that one, or were were you kind of tepid about that as well? Yeah, you know, it was never one of my like all time favorites, but I I was a fan. And so you you do not think this one stacks up. No, especially not like alongside the other live action ones that I've seen. Uh, which ones did you like? What live action ones did you like? So our fans can, I, I think, get an idea of your taste profile. Uh, well, Cinderella wasn't great. It was there were some weird choices made. Uh, I really like Jungle Book and I really, really liked Beauty and the Beast. I'm a big fan of Beauty and the Beast. So what did Aladdin do that you did not like? Well, first off, the original movie is only about 90 minutes long, and this one's over two hours. It's, I think it's about two hours, eight minutes. So there's a lot of filler stuff that some of it's good and some of it's not that great. I guess first we'll address Will Smith, who was kind of the main controversy going into this, was uh, I guess a couple facets of it. Uh, could he replace Robin Williams? Obviously the answer to that was always going to be no. Um, so it just became about like how good is he going to do in Robin Williams' shoes. And then they released those pictures of him where he looked like Blue Shrek, and that wasn't great. But honestly, he wasn't bad. Like like I said, no one was going to be able to fill Robin Williams' shoes in this, but he did a pretty admirable job. Uh, he was genuinely funny, and he kind of holds this movie together with both hands. And he's only so- blue about 50% of the time. So that's what I'm curious about. I assumed he would be blue 100% of the time. Why is he not? Uh, There's kind of a throwaway line where Aladdin says something about if you're going to roll into Agrabah blue, you're going to stick out. People are going to have questions. And he's like, oh, I don't have to be blue. And he just changes back into normal Will Smith. (laughs) That's so random. Do you think Will Smith in his contract had it where he would not be Tobias Funke for the entire movie? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if it was that or if they were just like, how can we get away with saving some CG money or what? But yeah, he, he's only blue about half the time. He's only blue when he's doing like genie things and he has like the weird genie tail. Otherwise, he's just Will Smith in a in a weird getup. That's that's good to hear that. I mean, it sounds like he's maybe the best part of this movie because I was worried. I mean. I don't know the last Will Smith movie that I've really liked, and I saw something online that I I had to look up because I didn't believe it was true. Will Smith has not starred or really, I guess, been a leading actor in a movie that has scored higher than a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes since, I think, Men in Black 2. Oh, my God. Like, Ali wasn't that high. Hancock wasn't that high. Um, I am uh, the one where he's in the wasteland with the dog wasn't very high. So he has not been in too many great movies in a, in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I liked Men in Black 3. That's probably the last thing in recent memory I can think of that 
I really enjoyed Will Smith in. He was in that that absolutely ridiculous movie with his son that was written by M Night Shyamalan, After Earth. Oh, that looked horrible. I I liked him in in uh, was it Bright, the Netflix movie with the orcs? I know that oh, yeah. got so much hate, but I I thought that was a fine made for TV Netflix movie. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It's getting a sequel. Um, so Will Smith is, I'd say, one part of the trio of the Aladdin series. How was Aladdin himself? He was f- fine, I guess. Uh, like, he he didn't bring a presence like I would have expected like a, a lead actor to do. He was doing a lot of parkour in the beginning like Aladdin does. That was fun. It reminded me of Prince of Persia running from the, the uh, Agrabah police. Um, other than that, yeah, he's just kind of there. Like he's, he's the protagonist just because we call him that basically like he's second to the genie for sure. And I, I, I'm going to ask about Jasmine and Jafar here in a minute, but I think that the, this question will sort of lead into that. Do they end up redoing the, the songs that exist or do they create entirely new songs for this movie? A little of both. So, part of the reason Will Smith's character wasn't as good as it could have been, possibly, was they did try to remix some of the songs to fit his style, right? Like, he's not a... He's not a musical singer. He does, like, hip-hop and stuff like that. And so they remixed some of the songs to have, like, hip-hop-y parts to them. But they didn't really go far enough, I think. Like they they should have either kept it a hundred percent normal or they should have gone all in on like catering these songs to fit his style, and they did that with the dialogue too. So he he delivered some of Robin Williams' original dialogue, and it kind of landed. But then they gave him his own kind of style and his like uh, lines that kind of fit his humor, and I thought those landed a lot better. Other times, they completely added just new nonsense to uh, to the kind of middle of nowhere. Uh, and on that note, what did you think of Jasmine? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so Naomi Scott plays Jasmine. She wasn't bad per se. They just made her very one-dimensional. Like, it's a kid's movie. I understand that the, the characters are supposed to be one-dimensional. But, like... Aladdin has the external struggle of trying to like fit in as a prince in the castle, but he also has the internal struggle of, is this right that I'm deceiving these people? So he has at least two different conflicts going on. The genie is magic and very fun, but he also has the conflict of like trying to be friends with Aladdin, even though he's gone like a thousand years trying not to be friends with anybody. Jasmine's whole thing is, I want to be in charge. I don't want people telling me what to do, which is valid. It's cool, but like there needs to be more than that. And they gave her this song, like halfway through the conflict at the end, they gave her this song that sounds like a pop song. It sounds like it belongs on the radio. And it's not very good. And it's incredibly lazy the way they tried to shoehorn it into the the story. And by that, I mean they did not try to shoehorn it into the story. They freeze time. She sings this big dramatic number about how she's not going to be told to be quiet. 
as she walks through the set, everyone's frozen, and then she returns to where she started the song, and time starts up again. And there were no other songs like that? Nope. No, I mean, everything else was kind of an original right from Aladdin, right? So, like, they all fit in the narrative. They, like, Aladdin sings the song while he's running from the police, and Genie sings the song about how he's all-powerful, and, like, it's a big kinetic number. But this was just... I'm going to sing a song about my feelings and no one's going to be able to hear it. But me, because time is frozen, man, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of seeing any of these Disney remake movies. I talked, I was talking to you a little bit earlier about it, so I've not seen any of them. And just the fact that I really like Aladdin. So this is the one that maybe could have got me into it because I don't care about Cinderella. I don't care about Dumbo. I don't care about, uh, Beauty and the Beast or anything like that. So th- it's disheartening to see that they've really dropped the ball on this one. Um, how how was Jafar? Jafar was odd. Um, they made some weird choices with him. The costumes, and and I should say this for everything, like the costume and the set design was extraordinary. It looked great, but Jafar they they chose somebody who looked young. He looked not very menacing and he had a oddly high voice like his voice should kind of demand respect and attention if he is going to be playing this like second most powerful person in the kingdom but he sounds almost whiny in certain places and it didn't really work huh um and then i i actually forgot about these characters i remember seeing abu is that the monkey's name abu i remember seeing him in previews and he looked very freaky. How was he and was Iago in this? Yeah, Abu got kind of like an uncanny valley situation going on. Like he wasn't in it very much, but he was very like CGI'd. Uh, Iago was in it. He didn't. I mean, he was a parrot, so he kind of parrots spoke. He just kind of repeated things or said like very simple sentences. He definitely was not like a fully fleshed out character like he was in the original. So they didn't have Gilbert Godfrey reprieving the role? <laughs> they definitely did not have Gilbert Godfrey, no. It's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, were there any parts of this movie that you enjoyed? Um, yeah, so like I said, the genie was fun, uh, as he always is. There is a very strange C-plot that they put in, which was m- most of the, the extra 30-minute filler, to be honest, where Genie and Jasmine's handmaiden fall in love with each other. And it was equal parts wholly unnecessary and also some of the best parts of the movie. Uh, she was very fun. I'm struggling to remember her name now, but she was in New Girl, so I, I knew her from the TV show for a long time, but she was a, a fun character. When they introduce the the remade Aladdin as Prince Ali to the the Sultan and to Jasmine... He has this like complete breakdown where he doesn't really know how to act in front of royalty, and he's making a, a damn fool of himself. And he's he goes on like a five minute, like oh we have jams, we have all sorts of jams, and starts naming all the flavors of jams that they have. And it was like it was genuinely awkward in a really funny way. I just I really enjoyed that scene. It went on maybe a little too long, but that was that's really that was kind of it. <laughs> Um, so do you know how this went at the box office and uh, rating ratings-wise? So Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have it at a 58%. That is reasonable, I think. 
the audience has it at a 95%, which I just cannot, cannot wrap my head around. That is so high. Um, it made 120, or no, it made 112 million at the box office this weekend. It's number one. That's not very shocking to me. Disney just basically, anytime they drop something like this, it's going to steamroll over everything. And all they really did was take their own top spot away from Endgame. Uh, yeah, I would, I'd, I'll be interested to see how this drops. I mean, with an audience score at 95%, maybe it's not going to drop as steeply as I expect it to, but man, it does not deserve a score that high. Uh, would you suggest our listeners check this one out? It's going to depend a lot. Kids are going to like this because kids are dumb. They don't have like a critical <laughs> eye for this kind of thing. So, like, if you've got kids that are into Disney stuff, 100% go for it. They're going to love it. The adults might not like it quite as much. This week, Christian, you watched a movie that sounds absolutely bonkers. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce what what Bollywood movie (laughs) did you watch this week? Yeah, so we took a foray into the world of Bollywood this weekend. It was my friend's birthday, and I, I went out to his house, and I was like, well, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, I want to watch this weird Bollywood movie my brother told me about. So it's called 2.0. It came out just last year, and it's oh, where to even begin. So the appeal to this movie, the reason that he wanted to watch it was that it had a production budget that was unbelievably high. And somehow during production, they still managed to completely run out of money. And so since they shot the movie out of order, like most movies are, random scenes throughout the movie from the, like the second half of production are so low budget compared to like the extremely shiny, high budget like rest of the movie. So it, it can be jarring in places. Can you tell basically where you think they ran out of money where it's like they were filming a set of scenes and it's very clearly high budget on one. And then in the very next, like they cut to another character in the same conversation and it looks like someone drew in the background. <laughs> yeah, there are some scenes like that where it, like it'll be nice and you're looking at the, the very fancy bird monster. And then in the background, it's like so painfully obvious that it's a green screen. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so the plot of this movie I will try to describe as concisely as I can. Um, It is about a man who loves birds so much that he hangs himself over their deaths. Then his ghost becomes evil and gains telepathic control over cell phones. He uses those cell phones to murder people and make a new cell phone body for his ghost, which is half bird. Then he has to be stopped by a scientist and his robot twin and their sexy robot assistant, along with an army of microbots, which are also sometimes cell phones. Dude, I'm not going to lie. This sounds like it's a plot to some 90s anime or something (laughs) like that. It is wild. This movie is two and a half hours long, but it felt like I spent a year of my life in this weird sci-fi horror hallucination. So do they ever explain how robots are going to fight a ghost or it's just because he's now a cell phone body that you you can kill him? 
So they they do some weird Ghostbuster tech where they, the the scientist very matter of factly presents this to the to the like the committee or whoever it is that there's good energy and there's bad energy and man the living people are made up of good energy so if this if this thing is evil it has to be a ghost so we need to shoot it full of positive vibes and that should like trap the ghost in our proton pack situation and so yeah the the robot is really just there to fight the cell phone body which can sometimes turn into a giant bird monster <laughs> i is it like a pigeon too uh no it's it's enormous it's like the size of a building okay <laughs> but then like out of it pops a normal human-sized person who's also made of cell phones that was actually kind of neat because the cell phones are all lit up to look like a person. And so you get this kind of patchwork man walking around. That was genuinely a, a cool thing, I think. Man, this, uh, this sounds so crazy. It's like mixed up with like a Godzilla movie at some point, too, it sounds like, <laughs> where it's just giant monsters fighting each other. Yeah. So at one point, the hero unleashes an army of robots that all link arms and they create a perfect ball the size of a house and all of them have a gun and so this ball is rolling around a crowded soccer arena shooting in all directions <laughs> and i should say at this point that the ghost has somehow possessed the scientist to make him look like a like a birdified version of the ghost person oh my gosh was the soccer arena filled with people it was a hundred percent filled with people <laughs> Who pitch? How does Bollywood work where someone's like, I got a great idea for a movie. I'm going to need $100 million. I will make your money back first weekend. And they're like, I love this idea. Go with it. Somehow, I guess no one in the soccer arena gets hurt by the ball that is shooting machine gun bullets in all directions. But I'm like, I was watching this and I said to one of the other people with me, I'm like, he's killing thousands of people. <laughs> So what is the, what was the main bad guy's uh, impetus for killing himself? Was it just because he was sad with how birds were being treated? Yeah, so in at the about the hour mark, it's still a complete mystery who the bad guy is. All, we've, all we know is that these cell phones have been flying around in the shape of a bird terrorizing people. And so... Once the bad guy is revealed, we then flash back and we get like a 20 minute long backstory that takes place over about 10 years about the whole bad guy's origin story where the cell phone towers that they're putting up are killing birds and he was in love with birds. And so he he kept trying to get the cell phone towers taken down, but no one would listen to him. And so he was like, well, I know what I'll do. I'll turn myself into a ghost. <laughs> He like dude you said it has like a pretty extensive background. Does he have any uh basis for like believing that he can do this or this is entirely on faith? Oh no. I don't even think he knew that this was gonna happen. Like I think he was just like, I'm done with the world and he killed himself and then it was like, Oh boy, now I'm a ghost. <laughs> but like the backstory was so long and it's not integrated into the like the current event plot at all. It's just it, like its own mini movie and by the time it came back i honest to god forgot what was happening 
Oh my gosh. So what what uh what happens when they they film back is that what leads to the soccer arena battle? Yeah, so this movie straight up ends halfway through. Like after the flashback, they capture the ghost guy in their proton pack. They give the scientist an award for like making his robot twin go fight the the bird monster. And I'm like, "Cool, this movie's over." And then somebody lets the ghost out. And we are treated to the sequel immediately. <laughs> it was just two movies in one. Yeah, it was, and the, like, and, and it's during then the second confrontation that uh, Harvey Birdman possesses the the scientist, and we get the soccer arena battle. That is awesome. I this movie sounds ridiculous. I kind of want to see it though. Um, well, you... lucky for you, it is on Amazon Prime right this very moment. If you are so inclined. You can choose from three different languages to watch it in. None of them are English. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, was so, there anything else that was just like kind of crazy in this that you couldn't believe? Oh, well, I mean, cover to cover the entire thing. There was a very weird romance between the hero robot and the assistant robot, especially considering that at the time of filming, the guy playing the hero was 67 and the woman playing the assistant is 27. Um, it was the is the main uh main actor a good looking guy Mm, not really i mean he's been in everything i guess like somebody told me that he was like the indian u hefner where he's like a thousand but he's still like tries to be a playboy is very strange oh that's crazy um Everybody but me fell asleep halfway through this movie, and like I was committed, so I I stayed and I finished it. And when my buddy woke up, he was like, "How did it end?" And I tried to explain it to him, and I I literally didn't have the words. Yeah, how does it end? <laughs> they just capture the ghost again. <laughs> like it ends basically the exact same way the first one did. Oh no! Although they did have to unleash yeah the army of microbots that were also cell phones. It, they uh. The microbots came in all riding birds, and they were like, hey, we're also bombs, so if you continue to possess the scientist, we're going to blow up all these birds. And the guy's like, no, and he lets himself get captured. <laughs> uh, w- would you recommend uh, our audience check this one out? Oh, uh, God. You know what? Sure. Like, if, you, if you're at a party or you're hosting a party and you're like, what ridiculous activity can we do for the next two and a half hours? Man, this will do it. Or if you are hosting a party and you want everyone to leave as quickly as humanly possible, go ahead and throw this on the TV and that will do it. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, I should also say there's we watched this uh, partially because one of my friends was excited to see how music videos are just injected into Bollywood movies in the middle. And uh, this did not have any music in it until the credits. The entire credit sequence is a super long music video. And at the end, there's a bonus scene. There's a secret ending. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, if, if you're so inclined, wait through the credits and you'll get treated to a truly, truly ridiculous secret ending. How disappointing would it be that you're like, I want to check a, Bol- a Bollywood movie to see the music videos in it, and you pick <laughs> one of the few ones that do not have anything really like that no, in it. No songs at all. The The secret ending, so the, the mini bots were made by the, 
the hero robot while the the scientist was possessed and so the secret ending the scientist wakes up in the hospital and his cell phone turns like pops up and turns into a tiny person and he's like who are you and the the little guy's like i'm your grandson This week, I have tried out the PlayStation 4 early access to their game, Dreams. Now, if you don't know, Dreams is a game that hasn't actually gotten that much attention outside of, I want to say, major news new, uh, news releases at like E3 and stuff. Uh, it's by Media Molecule, which is the studio that made the games Little Big Planet and, and Tearaway. Uh, both really cool games. I, I know Little Big Planet... Uh, was huge with the PlayStation 3, and then Tearaway is on the Vita, and they released it on the PS4. I played it on the PS4. They're very inventive games, and they're one of the few Sony studios that use the entire part of their control schemes um, to the benefit that, like, there's a lot of uh, motion controls and things like that, which I don't necessarily love. So Dreams is insanely ambitious. They have essentially created a, uh, like, a game engine that anyone can use to make a game where it sounds awesome yeah and so it's divvied up where it's weird because you have to use emotion controls or if you have the move controllers you can use those to help sculpt and stuff so you're put into when you start you choose like this thing that moves it's like a blob that moves around the screen and helps you pick up stuff and so you can either choose to learn the creative side or you can play games that people have made with the creative side and it's in-depth. I've only done part of the tutorials, and they're very in-depth tutorials. But just even moving around, once you get used to it, it feels really good. And then you get this whole thing where you can sculpt. And if you have the motion controls, I think it would be a lot easier than using the controller. But you sculpt <laughs> these characters and, and these 3D models, and you can put them into the world. And, I mean it seems like the possibilities of the game you can create are endless at this point. I have played like guitar hero ripoffs, first person shooters, 2d platformers, uh, basically like a legend of Zelda, like battle mechanic clone. There was the castle and super Mario brothers 64 out there. There was super Mario out there. There's a rendition of PT, which is the silent Hill, uh, demo release that, uh, Konami canceled. So it's insane. And so even after you go through the sculpting and stuff, and I haven't got to this part, but I've seen it online, you can you can create AI, you can do scripts, you can create levels like it's boundless. And that's what the name is. Like if you can dream it, you can make it in this game. And I I think the studio said the only thing you really can't make are MMOs at this point. Hmm. Um, But everything else. Like like my mind's blown and it's so hard to explain because just like the possibilities of it are crazy. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about it on podcasts. And I've always been interested, but I really don't think you can understand it until you get in there and mess around with it yourself. Uh, but it's cool right now. It's on early access. It's $30. If you get it, uh, that actually gives you access to the full $60 game when it's, when it releases later this year. And I, I highly suggest picking it up. If this sounds interesting to you, I'm, really excited to get in here and try and create a a little game or something because i've always wanted to create a game but i'm not actually i'm not great at programming and it seems like this is 
in a way where it's like it doesn't matter if you know how to programming you can create a little game i don't know if you can do a full-fledged game at this point i'm sure some people can but it, it would take a ton of time but it's awesome yeah this sounds incredible yeah, and, and what's really cool is I've heard these group talk on podcasts and stuff. I think their entire idea is they want to create an ecosystem where you might not be great at level design, but you're really good at creating character models and three like animating them and putting scripts to them or whatever it is where you know you get them to punch or attack with a sword or jump or, or feel right, where you can then be integrated into a, another guy who's just working on the world or this person's an artist and they're really good at sculpting, but they're not so good at the logic side and where you would get a collaboration where you guys would then be able to like create a game. So I don't know if they have a way you set up. I haven't delved this much into it, but say you're really good at just creating character models. Like if you can just go in and find someone who's created something you want and pull that and edit it to your needs or what, I, I don't know. I think that is would be a really cool way if they do it where everything's basically open source uh, and you can just create some really cool stuff with uh, your ideas. Yeah, that would be absolutely incredible. I'm definitely going to have to pick this up. This sounds super cool. Yeah, it's it's a closed beta, but I bought this, I don't know, like five days ago. It seems like it's still open because, like I said, I'm not hearing a ton about it, and it's it's sad because it's really awesome. Um I'm excited to create something with it. I don't know how good I'll be at it, but just playing other people's random creations, I, I think it's like worth $30 if you're into artistic endeavors like that because it's so different than anything else. And I was really worried about this game actually because it's like, well, it's being released roughly, well, not even released, it's in early access. I'm not sure when it comes out officially, but roughly before the PlayStation 5 comes out and it's like, oh, is this game just going to be dead on arrival because no one's going to want to commit to all this? But now that we know the PlayStation 5 is going to be backwards compatible, I think this game can have a real life to it. Yeah. Some real highlights to me is you actually, I think, can even create music in this game. Uh, so they want to be like, look, you can you can make a music video in this game. You can just animate in this game if you want, which is revolutionary if you buy an animating system for 30 bucks. Like, that's not bad. I've seen people create um, like control schemes where you you end up holding your PlayStation controller sideways and it's like you're playing a trumpet. Uh, they have that all mapped out, which is just crazy because you never see stuff like that. So I think there's just tons of creativity here. If if a real audience latches onto this, like this could be huge. I've heard talks where people are like, "Will a game?" like it's possible like could someone actually create a game in this where it, it becomes basically like unreal engine or something like that where it's like oh we created this in dreams here you can buy our game I i'm not sure because there's no monetization right now obviously but it's like one of those things where down the line like if people get really good in this could they turn it into a profession like i, I don't know where people actually have to buy it or if you create a 60 hour rpg or something can you actually release this it is crazy cool and i think once i get used to all of the controls i'm making stuff it'll it'll be awesome yeah i'm i'm excited to, to look into this like i've i've messed around with a couple game engines before and like uh there's one on on the computer i really like called rpg maker that's it lets you do like kind of old school uh like pokemon or or zelda style kind of Sp like you can sprites 
yeah, you can build maps and and build characters and and program the hell out of it. Like you you can make full fully functional games in those. And like we've we've played around with that a little bit. We made part of a a game that was deeply strange. Um, but I I really do enjoy uh, game design and stuff like this. So I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do some some looking around. Yeah, at the very least, I would check out some like YouTube videos or the PS4 Dreams subreddit because that's that's where I, I I've seen a lot of this stuff and I was like I'm I'm gonna check this out. I think it's worth thirty bucks, even like if I don't end up creating it. Like I think it's cool and I want to support uh, people going outside the box on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, I think this is I don't I imagine you can do RPGs in some way. I haven't seen that because they they haven't said you can't do it. I think it's just like figuring out how to do it in this so but yeah i i messed around with rpg maker a little bit too and i would say it kind of gives me that vibes but like more mind-blowing all right guys now it's time for our amazon review game just a quick recap i will read a five-star amazon review of a movie christian will get two yes or no questions to try and guess it I will then give him a second review if he needs it. Uh, He'll get two more questions, and then he'll get a third review. And and, uh, two more yes or no questions, then I'll have to guess. We're keeping score, so if he gets it on the first guess, he gets three points. On the second, he gets two, and on the last one, he gets one. Are you ready, Christian? I am. This is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I saw it for the first time on a plane in Australia, watched it again on a flight, bought the DVD in Auckland, to date, I've seen it ten times and loved it every time, and I'm not one to watch things over and over again. There are such clever subtleties that I notice each time I watch it, and I hadn't seen the previous times. Uh, the notice of the actual name of the building where the unholy masquerade is held is one of them. They cover the day-to-day experiences we might all share, both human and undead, like doing dishes, but in a way that what you uh, imagine the undead would. Even they hate to wash the bloody things. They are They are multi-generational roommates, and they really exploit the difference between them in a humorous way. This movie is so well done, the timing, the camera work, the improv, the music, the artwork, the editing, the jokes, the set, and most of all, the cast. Oof. There's a lot in there. Did this movie come out... In the past three years? No. I don't even have another question. Just go ahead and give me another review. Okay. I'm a pretty serious Dracula vampire buff. I've seen all the traditional Dracula's interviews with the documentaries, the made-for-TVs, the TV shows, the kids' movies, the Dark Shadows, the Fright Nights. I could seriously go on. Suffice it to say that I thought I'd seen just about every take you could do with the same old song and dance. Uh, and then this movie came in my recommendations. For anyone who's seen This Is Spinal Tap, this is sincerely the vampire version of it. It's a strange combination of adorably innocent and blood and guts. If Q could ever be used to describe a vampire movie, this would be the time. It's funny, it's clever, and it's a perfect feel-better movie. All in all, I couldn't recommend this movie enough. If you or someone you know is as frustrated about getting a fresh vampire fix as I was, I suggest you give this to them. Alright, vampires. When you said undead, I went straight to zombies. Let me think here. Vampires. Does this movie have 
Christopher Lloyd. Uh, no, Christopher Lloyd is not in this movie. And you might stump me on this one. I feel bad if you haven't seen this one. I had kind of guessed you had. Uh, yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Give me my last review. Okay. I would give this movie 10 stars if I could. The first time I saw this movie, I was like, what the heck is this? I never heard of it, and I only saw it because it was shown during a HBO free preview week. This movie is hilarious. It has become my favorite comedy. It's a vampire mockumentary. Great casting. Each vampire personality is hilarious. Taiki White TT and Jermaine Clement were meticulous. Love it. <laughs> All right, I got it. I have not actually seen this yet, but it has been on my list. Is it what we do in the shadows? Yes. I'm sorry, Christian. I, I had I was just kind of guessing you had seen this one. You know, when you said that they watched it in Australia and in Auckland, that should have been a, a tip-off because Taika is from New Zealand. Man, I do really, really want to see this movie, really, ever since Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, man, you should totally check this out if you haven't. It's amazing. Uh, I'm I'm excited for the TV show that they're they're coming out. I I do want to see it. But yeah, this is like a you know it's very much like The Office with vampires or something. It's so good. <laughs> oh man, this is like the only the second thing I've seen Jermaine Clement in since um Flight of the Concords. <laughs> uh, the other one was I think Shark vs Tiger or something, which was not very good. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. Before we head out, Christian, what are you going to be checking out this week? Uh, well, I'm trying to get caught up on all the movies that I'm behind on. I still haven't watched Brightburn. Uh, that's definitely on my list. I need to watch the John Wick series. That's on my list. Um, Rocket Man and Godzilla both come out this week. I'm uh, moderately interested in both, I guess I would say. Uh, so we'll see if I can uh, if I can get caught up or if I can have time for the new ones or not. Awesome. Uh, anything else? That's probably it. Uh, this week, I don't know how much I'm going to be checking out. Um, we will actually be taking next week off. I'm going to be going out of the country for a trip. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to be pretty busy here getting ready this week, and then I will be gone all of uh, next week. So I can't say too much of what I'm going to be doing. I'll probably mess around with Dreams more, and I really want to get the Platinum on Anthem so I can talk about that game and kind of my my experience with it i know we talked about it a little bit before so i want to give like the the view of anthem three months after the game has come out because it's it's not looking very good for it <laughs> all right guys thanks for checking out our episode we will not be releasing an episode next week so please check back in two weeks if you guys want to reach us we are on Twitter at Gambots Network, or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. Uh, we would love if anyone wanted to give a suggestion for the Amazon review game. We would most likely use it. Uh, so thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.